Hey folks, Basil here, and welcome to 2012. No longer 2011. Who knew that time kept continuing? Sorry that we haven't hosted an awesome cast lately. It's been a... 2011 was a hard year. It was a year where it started off with Eric's mom passing away, and then mid in the year, my mom passed away. And then we recorded, I recorded an episode with some wonderful fellows online. And then, unfortunately, promptly after that, James, our wonderful producer, his mother passed away. We were going to take a break to grieve and stuff because she was a great woman. All our moms were. and But then in mid-December, Eric passed away. The, uh, the same Eric that you know, was part of the Awesome Cast, a uh, founding member of the Awesome Cast. In fact, he was a member of the Awesome Cast before we were calling it Awesome Cast. Back when it was originally going to be the Awesome Blog, and then we decided to do an Awesome Cast to go on the blog, and then Eric and myself decided we were too lazy to write things, we just talk about them, and so we just made the Awesome Cast. One of the funniest men I ever knew. One of the smartest men I ever knew. 28, through a clot. He had a heart condition, but the doctors thought it would be too dangerous to operate. But we're, we're going to miss him. Miss him a lot. Miss him a terrible lot. But the show, not gone, not done, not by a long shot. We're going to keep recording episodes, putting out episodes of the new year, a new start. But this podcast is now dedicated to Eric for being awesome. Anyways, we're going to follow up this little statement of mine uh, to say, whoops, sorry, and welcome back with uh, the conversation I had with some wonderful, wonderful gentlemen online. It was a wonderful little Skype conversation that sort of covers the gambit of all sorts of random things that I don't really remember anymore. I I'm the one stuck editing, so don't expect uh, many editing. But between now and then, we're going to be back. We're going to record episodes. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. It better be a good year. It has to be good. Because we're going to make it that way. So, between then and now, how about some crazy chocobo? folks, it's Basil from the Awesome Cast, the only part of this podcast that's actually from the Awesome Cast. You see, upcoming, at the day of this release, which is the release of Modern Warfare 3, that's how auspicious it is, um, this Saturday, we're I'm involved in a mini-con done by the uh, Hamacon group in Huntsville, Alabama, and I've been so busy working on that that I haven't actually time to set up an actual Awesome Cast proper. So on Twitter, I threw up the awesome signal, and people actually showed up. It's amazing. Social networking's crazy. So with us, in order of what's on my computer screen, we've got John from the Chainsaw Buffet podcast. Yo. 
Nico from MTAC as well as Cinegeek. Hello. Uh, Patrick from Insert Disc and Pod Labor. Yo. And Dylan, also from the Chainsaw Buffet podcast. Hey. And so now we have no clue what we're going to do because this has no plans, no, no ideas. It was just, I need to get something recorded. And these poor saps decided to say sure. You've got more listeners than we do, so I was like, eh, why not? <laughs> yeah, we're we're exactly. gonna take over. We're gonna take over everybody else's podcast until everyone's uh, heard of Chainsaw the Fate and then refuse to go listen to it. So basically, it's a mathematical decision. Yes, it's uh, it, not even that. I, I would go on a podcast that had fewer listeners than we did. I, I will just whore myself out to anybody. I mean, even if they have fewer listeners, they might be different listeners. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I can almost guarantee it, because we know all of our listeners personally, and most of them don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> so, the one person I know who has done something, at least recently, um, someone I hear went to NecoCon. No, that's a lie. Oh, okay. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> My plans are defoiled. <laughs> But yes, I did go to um, NecoCon this past weekend, which was actually surprisingly good. Um, this was my third year going there. And for those who don't know, NecoCon is a relatively small con in um, southeast Virginia. And this was my third year going to it. It was also the 14th year of the convention. And it was the first one where I actually said, yeah, this was a really good time. So. So you went two years and decided to still go a third year until you Even though I wasn't liking it. it. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. That's dedication. Well, well, it's because it's 20 minutes from my house. So. There are less things that are. Not liking it or were you hating it? Because there's a difference. There's a difference. It's not that I even. It's not that I hate it, it was that it just wasn't all that interesting, I guess. The programming was really crappy. So there just wasn't enough going on. And the first two years I went, I was doing panels there as well. So So you contributed to the crappy programming. Well, mine was the good programming. (laughs) Sure. See. Of course it was. I'm Uh going to my programming because I did it. (laughs) No programming. You know, I I know a lot of people who don't go to their own programming, so that doesn't necessarily say anything. Well, the problem is the other. There's no other programming for me to go to, so I didn't have anything to do most of the time I was there, and it started to feel like I was just wasting my time. But thankfully, is a mix of they had they got a new programming head who actually put some effort into having, like, real panels and things like that, so there was stuff to do the whole weekend. Mm -hmm. And just knowing more people going there, I ended up enjoying it a lot more, to the point that I'd actually say, yeah, it's worth going to. Because there's two local cons, one in November and one in June, and they kind of hate each other. Mm -hmm. And I've always liked the other one a lot more, but this one was actually worth going to for once, so... Good old con hatred. Con feud. I think the, like, there were a lot of cool panels, but I think probably my favorite thing of the weekend is that I'm holding a copy of Mazenkaiser Skull on Blu-ray right now, and that doesn't come out for another month, and Media Blasters had it way early, 
Well, so, I would hope so. Uh, <laughs> they made I, it. I, I, now I can safely say I'm now jealous. <laughs> so that was really cool. Um, damn, what's his name? I really need to get a copy of Skull. Skull's oh, good. It, it is so good. And the Blu-ray was only $20. Holy so, crap. That's a really good price. Yeah, you can't buy it for that price. I don't know how good it is, how good of a Blu-ray it is because I haven't watched it yet because that was two days ago. Um, but it was awesome on DVD. So also, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy, the guy who's heading up Sentai Filmworks now. David um, Williams. Yeah, David Williams was there, and I've never really gone to any panels with him in the past just because. By the time I started getting active in conventions and going to more conventions, all the shit with ADV and things started going down, and they just weren't showing up at conventions for a while. But I was really surprised at how candid he is about everything at his panels, and how he'll just say whatever the hell's on his mind. Yeah, I like him a lot. He's a fun guy. He was pretty cool. And yeah, I've, I've been to a couple of his things at Emmy Week in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Particularly he's... particularly right after all the stuff with ADV happened, and that was particularly interesting. He was still making the uh, Atlanta trips in the middle of all of that. Oh, man. Yeah, he was pretty cool, because... But the thing... Uh, this is a positive and a negative, I guess, to this con. Um, it, like most smaller cons, skews really young. And... Basically, any panel with him or there was a guy from Bandai there amounted to ten people in the room. No exaggerations, one of them being me at every one of these panels. So it was basically a sit there and ask every question you can think of event until everyone was just completely exhausted of questions and everyone's just standing around awkwardly going, well, I don't know what else to do anymore. Man, you should have totally, like, taken a microphone with you and totally did an impromptu interview because you were asking all the questions anyway. Yeah, I know. Or just recorded it at all. Right. I wasn't expecting that. But, like, I, I friends that did panels there and everything they were doing had packed rooms. But, you know, when you name something, where when you're doing a panel about Final Fantasy, you're going to get a packed room. When it's some random guy from Anime Company, the really hardcore industry nerds are the only ones that show up. Yeah, it's pretty much if you're not one of the big voice actors, no one cares about what you do. So, yeah. Which, which is sad, because those jobs are the more interesting jobs. Yeah, they are. And um, another guy that was there was, I always get his name wrong, Toshifumi Yoshida. I think if I get his name, got his name right, he used to work for Viz, and then he worked mm-hmm. for Bandai, and now he's the producer of Pokemon in the U.S. And he was pretty cool, because he's been doing this shit for 20 years, and he's done it in a lot of different capacities. He's the guy who directed the dub for Kurokami when it was airing in the U.S. eight hours after it aired in Japan. I remember that. And... I asked him about that, and he's just like, yeah, that was probably the most insane thing I've ever done, and I never want to do that again. Because it sounds like 
the most intense experience on Earth because you record. He said they they basically recorded the dubs to the animatics. They wow. they 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 didn't have full episodes until right before it would go to air. That but, had to have been fun. No, it was probably a miserable experience. But I mean, I won a copy of High School of the Dead on Blu-ray while I was there too. Awesome. Which I've never seen and know. The extent of my knowledge to High School is to High School of the Dead is that it's high school zombies, and there's that scene with the bullet that shoots through the boobs. Yep. That's all yeah, you really I, I'm need. I'm assuming. Yeah. That's You're all, all I really up. Need, right? That that's pretty much the show. Right there, right there. That's pretty much the show. Perfect. Yeah, I enjoy it, that. It was it was a fun show. You don't need your brain. Just check that to the door and just watch yes. it. All right. It really just depends on how much. For me, the the juxtaposition of the of the Japanese style fan service and the more actual Western style zombie stuff for me totally clashed in my brain, and I didn't like it. But I know everybody else who's not me does. No, I had the same reaction. I mean, the 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 violence wouldn't have bothered me, and the fan service wouldn't have bothered me alone. Together, it was just creepy. It really does have some creepy moments, particularly when the the zombies are basically chowing down on the very fan servicey characters, and they're trying to make that instance a lot of fan service. That doesn't work well. Yeah, there. I, I think I know the scene that you're talking about, Nico, because there's one in the first episode, and it always sticks yeah. with me. Um, as I, I think. That how you feel about that scene will really determine a lot about how you feel about that show. Where there's these two random girls, and, and I'm not spoiling anything because this is like the first ten minutes of the first episode. It's um, details. It's yeah. It's like you know. But there's an these, example. There are these two characters that you know are not in the main cast. They're running. They're running along from the zombies, hand in hand, talking about how they're best friends forever. And suddenly, one girl gets grabbed. Uh, you know, on the ankle by a zombie that's down on a stairwell. And, you know, she's pulling on her friend, you know, trying to, to use her as leverage to get the zombie off of her. And just in an instant, she turns on her and says, you know, get off me, bitch, and kicks her down the stairs. And, uh, you know, you see panties going up as, you know, zombies are chowing down on her. And really, you just see, like, the, the waist down and she's upside down. So it's, it's like, Okay, that's that's kind of fucked up. Uh, yeah, that's the same scene. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's the scene where I turned it off. That's the scene where I'm like, that's fucked up. But let's see what else they do. That's well, I mean, much I, the I, most fucked up it gets. It's not really any worse, as far as I can remember. No, it really wasn't. I've watched more of it, but it's just you know that that sort of thing kind of stuck with me. So I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. It's a good threshold bar to just get that out of the way in the first episode. If you can't stand with this, you probably won't like the rest of the episode, the rest of the series. But if you're okay, then let's go. Yeah. Well, that's logical, I guess. And is the animation half decent? Oh, the animation's great. Yeah, I had no problems with the animation. It's Madhouse doing their Madhouse thing. Yeah. All right. It, it helps that it's only like 12 episodes. Yeah, uh, I, there is 
talk of a second season, and the the series does end on a cliffhanger. Um, and the manga goes longer too, so there's <laughs> enough material. I, I have trepidation about the second season if it does get made because they spent the entire first season avoiding every uh, zombie movie trope by and large. Uh, you know, it, it was it was a fairly fresh take on uh, the zombie apocalypse sort of deal. And then, you know, the, the setup that they have at the end of the series is just like, okay, we're, we're running headlong into the tropes now. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Williams at, uh, David Williams. Yeah. The, 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 the guy who uh, did the music for Star Wars and Superman? Yeah, that guy. Yes, that guy. Um, Someone asked him about more high school, and he's like, please, please, I, I want there to be more high school of the dead. I bet this actually makes them bank. No, he, he's basically said it's the best-selling title they've had in years. I would not be surprised. No. Like, you know what's the weird thing is? They said that their number two is um, Demon King Daimo, which looks especially awful. So... That's, that's not... That doesn't bode well, but they they did pick up uh, the rights to Persona Four, and and I think they said Anime Week in Atlanta they're looking at uh, getting the English dub cast from the game, which I I really hope they do because I enjoyed the hell out of that game, and I will buy that day one. I don't care if it's got the dub because I'm like the only dub fan in America. Um, I will I will buy that since I can ask whatever price they want for uh, for me for the uh, dubbed Persona 4 Blu-ray. I find the older I get, I guess I prefer dubs over subs just because I don't have time to read. Damn I, straight. I like, I like to keep things on in the background so I can hear it. And anytime I get a review copy of something and it's sub only, I'm just cringing because then I actually have to pay attention. Yes, yeah, there's no multitasking. You have to pay attention to what you're reviewing. Yes, that's terrible. <laughs> Just terrible. That's uh, maybe not something you want to admit. Th- or th- maybe then, it is. Then you have to pay attention to the words. You're not watching the animation or anything. Just that little, you know, lower quarter of the screen. Well, whatever. Uh, after doing this for so many years, for me, it's all, it's second nature. To the point where even I'm watching like, American stuff, I tend to throw on the uh, closed captioning anyways. <laughs> well, I, that, you're just being elitist. Always, uh, I'm good at it. That's always interesting to see the difference, though, if you're watching, you know, sub with the dub on and just see what the difference is between the scripts. Yeah, that always can be fun, and then you can tell pretty quickly when something's um, dub titles or something like that anyway. Uh, that, going back, uh, High School of the Dead did have uh, some very Americanized moments in it. Uh, there was one point in it where they make a Sarah Palin joke. Yes. In the was dub? that in the original, or was that... I don't... I'm pretty sure it wasn't in the original, but I know it was in the dub. I didn't... I don't recall seeing it in the subtitles. I'm really impressed when they do that, when they take the time to do that. Like, Desert Punk was that way. Um, I loved that show's dub. Yeah, and it was just because they cared enough to actually, you know, adapt it. Because comedy doesn't really work. You know? Yeah, I was about to say, so, depending on the joke, sometimes you have to. Yeah. Yeah, comedy in general... Um, I don't mind when they adapt something, um, especially when it's something like crude comedy, things like that. Uh, I think itself to adaptation. 
I, I think what they did, the work, whoever did it on Sinchan, like, you know, that's one of the best barometers of what you really can do. Oh, yeah. When, when you, when you dub something comedically, because Japanese humor is so not what we normally associate as humor in the U.S. at all. It's a much different, or their humor is much different than ours, so. Like, it's either puns, 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 which that I'm okay with, or we're going to reference stuff. Isn't that funny that we reference stuff? Oh, man, here's another reference. We just reference some stuff. It's very rare to actually, honestly, God, humor. I think the last time I really watched a good show that was just humorous on its own merits, I think it was like Level E, which was hilarious. Well, I mean, we in America have our own problems with a lot of referential comedy. I mean, those, It is true. So, I mean, look at Big Bang Theory. It's a lot of referential comedy to a lot of geeky tropes. And I Family hate that guy. show. <laughs> Family Guy references, references Oh, God, itself. Family Guy. It is a snake eating its own tail. See, I well, like the, Big Bang Theory a lot of times, but I'm just so played out of Family Guy. Yeah, I, I got tired of Family Guy probably, um, honestly, right when it came back to Fox. That's kind of sad because I was I was watching Family Guy when it first aired on Fox, and I liked it then. And I, I feel bad because it's not the show I liked anymore. <laughs> well, I, I think... um. Family Guy actually, in its early seasons, uh, does the best job of explaining what's wrong with now, uh, because, uh, there's one episode in one of the early seasons where Peter makes this joke. You know, it's kind of like MASH before, uh, Alan Nalda took control behind the camera and the show got all preachy and stuff. That's basically what happened to Family Guy was that Seth MacFarlane got way too much power at Fox and he decided to turn, uh, Family Guy into his own personal sounding board. But even he himself has already gone on the record saying, yeah, I think we've played out Family Guy as far as we can run with it, but it still makes money, so we're just going to keep going. Yeah, he said that he wanted to end it. It, he, it probably should have ended around season like six or seven, but Fox still keeps throwing the money, so I'll make, I'll keep making the show. Why not? Well, I mean, he's the highest paid man in television. Um, for a reason, these stupid shows make a lot of money. So they keep letting him do them, and it's, they just keep coming out. It's weird because um, I don't the, – the Cleveland show is, is kind of a mess for me, but I may not be its target audience. Um, but for some reason, fan, uh, American Dad has kind of surpassed Family Guy in a way. It, it, See, American Dad never worked for me. It didn't work early, but they, they kind of hit their stride you know, a few seasons in. And um, the last couple of seasons have been pretty decent. And, uh, but this season's just been weird. Like, this season it got on the family guy, we're just gonna do whatever the hell we want to, uh, batshit weird, uh, kinda train. So, I don't, I don't know. I th- Fox, Fox is hurting, because, uh, you know, they're, they're gonna wrap the Simpsons up soon, and, um, yeah, unless, uh, Mike Judge wants- on the Simpsons. They were almost going to can the Simpsons this this upcoming season, but everyone yeah. took a pay cut. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's uh, only. I think that'll only last so long before Fox finally decides to just let it die. Yeah, I think they'll let it die at twenty five. Uh, I think they'll do. And um, you know, the thing is, Seth MacFarlane has a like update of. The Flintstones in development right now. That's gonna be so, just so terrible. Yeah. 
It just, is. Just, no. No. Because he, like, like, he, there's interviews where he talks about how, um, to him, um, the Flintstones was, like, his biggest influence. But it's like, dude, you can't do that. You're not as good as you think you are. I don't know. I think a shot could be made. It's so weird to be in a generation where kids growing up only know the Flintstones from cereal and vitamins. So it would be nice to see some modern interpretation. Well, modern, as modern as cavemen could be, interpretation of the Flintstones on television. Well, they're a modern Stone Age family. <laughs> this is true. Look, they they, they, they they took the chick off of uh, Powerpuff Girl, uh, no, no, My Little Pony, right? Let let her have Flintstones. <laughs> Let's have like Stone Age's magic. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> on another show though, she's working. So, damn, what is it called? It's hilarious. It's like the Flintstones. It's, it's, she's working rough. for DC, and she's working on a show. I I want to say it's called The Super Best Friends Forever, and it's about some female superheroes. I can't remember which ones. Which is a shame because My Little Pony, she did pretty good on. I wouldn't know. I honestly wouldn't know. I don't get the hub, and uh, frankly, I'm probably better off for it. It's all. Yeah. I, like, I feel like I need to make a point to watch that show, but I have not yet. That's, I mean, that's, that's because Charlie and Basil uh, have this hold over you, Dylan. You need it's to, not a hold. It's just like you know, it, it's it's easy to take cheap shots at it, and I actually want to see if you know. If I like the show, or if it's just a thing, because it's a thing. Watching My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, will not make you 20% cooler, no matter how many shirts <laughs> say otherwise. Yeah, well. Honestly, uh, I don't think I'm, you know, like, I'm not exactly at the top of coolness right now, so uh, I'm... I am, it's fine, I, don't worry about it. Might as well give it a shot, try anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, but, yo, know, that said, John, if yeah. you watch it, you're going to like it. I'm sure I will. Like I, at this point, I'm just using the fact that I can't watch it. Like, there is no way for me to watch it legally, and I, I don't do the illegal stream thing. I just don't. Um, you know, I, I can use it to just kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, be a dick. <laughs> we'll just go with that. Well, um, like, my personal view on it, and I've watched half of the first season, is... Okay. It's a really good kids show. The end. And everyone kind of blows it out of proportion. But it's a really likable kids show. And I can understand why people like it. Just maybe not, uh, it's not, you know, the be all end all show. No, no that's adventure time. Yeah, that that would be a fair assessment. Or regular show. Regular show is pretty amazing. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'll tell you, the amount of Adventure Time cosplay I saw this weekend was ridiculous. People are all over that shit. Like, I saw more Adventure Time than I saw Hitalia. Thank God for that. (laughs) That is moving in a great direction. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can all get behind this. Oh. But the elitist part of me, I'll have to admit, goes, 
But that's not Japanese cartoons. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you this. Um, well, the the convention's theme was steampunk. But uh, <laughs> don't yeah. don't try to fight it. There's nothing you can do at this point. Just yeah, just bend over. Rabble, rabble, dang kids, rabble, rabble. I saw a steampunk pedo bear. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Look, I am, I am all that. I, I am, I am the stalwart that holds my convention from the brink of like being steampunk con. <laughs> because our con chair, uh, we started Hamacon because she wanted to make it a con that her her kid could go to and actually have a good time at. But she's not terribly into anime herself, but she is into steampunk. Oh no. And so I'm I'm always like, now Michelle, we can't have Steampunk Con. I'm just saying. And thankfully she knows that. She understands that. We have, we, we have a very, very, you know, anime focused, you know, mission statement, more or less. And that we want to throw an anime con and we try to keep it as anime con as we can. But you know, it's, I know it's always on the brink, just teetering, waiting to consume. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I'm kind of excited for Hamacon next year after some of the discussions you and I had um, at GMX. I'm just like, okay, this is going to be great. Yeah, I might actually be able to go this year because it doesn't seem to be on the same weekend as two other cons. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, that it doesn't end up, you know, I don't end up having a conflict this Next year, like I did this year. No herpes this time, dude. Just no herpes. No, yeah. no, that was that was all, uh, and that was shingles, or at least that's what which, the person at the minute clinic said. Which, which is a which is, herpes. is is not something to. What the hell? <laughs> I'm it's never digitized from herpes. Yes. Uh, uh, speaking of digitized things, anyone play any video games lately? Um, my, my, oh shit, my wallet November, uh, is not going to start for one week. I, I am, uh, foregoing, uh, Modern Warfare 3, at least for the time being. Um, and as much as it pained me, I had to forego, um, Assassin's Creed Revelations because it comes out on the same day as Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. And, um, then, uh, the week after that is King of Fighters 13. And the fighting game fan inside of me is just like, Eh, you know, as much as I want to play uh, Metal Gear Solid uh, in HD and um, play Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and Modern Fair War 3, I just don't have the money. Yeah, I uh, I have the opposite problem that you do in that I'm well, I just bought Metal Gear and I'm getting Assassin's Creed next week. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm also crazy in that I just finished Uncharted 3 last week. Is um is Metal Gear out this week? Yeah, I think um, so. Metal Gear is out today. Okay, damn. It came out the same day as Modern Warfare, which tell let me tell you, when you work at a store that one might stop at to buy games, and you want to pick up your copy of Metal Gear, but that line goes out the door of people full of buying Modern Warfare. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, that must suck. Like, I, I, I haven't really played anything. I want Uncharted. I, Uncharted 2 is easily one of my favorite games of this generation. 
I haven't gotten around to getting three yet, just because I'm waiting till I have more free time at the end of the semester. Um, I'm not touching Modern Warfare. I want to play the the campaign, but I'll just borrow my roommate's copy for that. And besides that, I want I want Metal Gear HD, and I'll get that eventually, and I'll get um Assassin's Creed eventually, like. Every Assassin's Creed game, I always get it for Christmas, so I pretty much always wait and get that one for Christmas. And then I'll buy Uncharted. Yeah, for me, Assassin's Creed is actually, my I think, my favorite video game series this generation. Yeah, for me, it's definitely very much a close tie between Uncharted and Assassin's Assassin's Creed. I honestly could not believe when I played um, Brotherhood last year how good uh, the multiplayer on it was. Uh, I mean, it blew me away how balanced it was. Even if I was playing somebody who was significantly higher level, the the weapons that you get are useful, but they're not game-breaking. Like, you can still do well at a low level against somebody at a higher level. It really just dep- comes down to how well you play. And that's that cannot be said for, like, Modern War- Warfare or uh, Black Ops, where... You know, if you're matched with somebody that's a higher level than you, they've got distinctly better gear, and you're going to have an uphill climb. It's true. I think it goes down to the fact that the way they designed that multiplayer component, just at its base level, it's very skill-based on how well you can blend and how well you can actually assassin around. Like, it's... Like, it might give you better tools as time goes on, but just that base mechanics they give you are actually what pulls you through the uh, the uh, multiplayer, regardless of what level you're actually at. Yeah, I, I just love that that style of, of multiplayer because it's just it's so much fun just uh you know trying to blend in and uh, watching the chaos and see where you'll go after a target and somebody will come after you and just it's nuts. I love it. It is it is a good time, but I can definitely tell you though, Patrick, that uh, Uncharted Three is a fun time. It is a fun time. It is not. I don't think it's as amazing as Two in that all those big moments you got in Two they kind of repeat in Three, but there are some really really great moments in Three, and I think I like a lot of the aspects of the storyline more in Three. But that's also because I'm a gigantic Sully fan. And Sully really gets his, you know, his props in this one. They really did make a Nate and Sully adventure. And, oh, my God, that was the greatest thing. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm really excited about, about it. Um, I really want it. I really want to play it. But um, it's just not time. So oh, yeah, a week like, or two, I'm going to buy it, probably. Oh, uh, yeah, I would like, like, no, it would, if I was, if I was in, in Semester again this this semester. If I was in school this semester, I'd be screwed. If, yeah, yeah, you know, I would have waited on charging myself if that were the case. Yeah, it's but. this this fall is pretty damn good because I really want to. Saints Row Three is definitely at the top of my list too to get because that just looks absolutely insane. Is that out yet? No, that that comes out the fifteenth, like everything else. Yeah. yeah. What's the other big one on the fifteenth? Uh, the 15th has Need for Speed The Run, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, um, Saints Row, Assassin's Creed, uh, Rayman Origins, which looks gorgeous, 
And I think some other stuff that I'm not thinking about. Oh, uh, I got to play Rayman Origins at um, New York Comic Con a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? How was it? it it's really nice. Um, it's so pretty. Once you see it in motion, like in front of you, it's really, really pretty. It's um, a really good thing I don't have any current generation systems. <laughs> right? It's expensive this month. And next yeah. month. And next month. Oh. Probably into February. Well, I, I, one of the cool things about it is, did you ever play New Super Mario Brothers on the Wii? Yeah. yeah. It does the multiplayer the same way as that. So you have these big stages, and you have four characters, and one of them can fall and die, and then you can pop their bubble to save them and shit like that. So it does oh, nice. the same kind of multiplayer, but it's got a ton of stages, and it's pretty looking, and it's not... Um, a, a cheap ass game like New Super Mario Brothers was. So there's a lot to like about it, but I don't know if it's a sixty dollar game, or at least in my mind. Because yeah, I was. I thought it was a download game, so I was surprised when they told me it was retail. For what I understand, originally when they announced the game at first, it was a downloadable game, but it was going to be episodic. Mm. Um, but then they changed their mind, and now it's a disc based game. But you're getting the full game. They're not, they're not, they didn't break up in episodes. You're getting the entire thing and one lump. Oh, okay. So that's why, but the whole idea with the engine that the guy made was, uh, Michael Ansel, I think is his name is, you know, was to create a engine that they can make games cheaper than they would normally. And now I'm like, all right, $60 game. Great. Yeah. Mm. And that's not even getting to like, you know, Mario 3D Land, Mario Kart 7, and Zelda Skyward Sword. Oh god, my wallet. Oh, that, um, in, um, Skyrim. Oh yeah, Skyrim, yeah. Uh, uh. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but Skyrim's probably very close to the bottom of that list for me. Um, and I was talking to someone about this, and I had to explain to him why I felt that way, and it's like, the last game was boring as shit. And the game before that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Actually, I, I I had a problem with Morrowind just because it was it was it played like shit. Well, it, it was it was for hardcore players. Like you couldn't run everywhere. You had the stamina thing. Um, I really got into Oblivion, and I will probably eventually pick up Skyrim, but when I have I, time, I can't get into those type of RPGs and. I find my I find myself once again being in a very strange minority where um I enjoy a more linear RPG experience because you know I I typically play RPGs for the storyline um because most RPGs have shitty engines and they're all you know just derivative of one another there are a few exceptions but um, most of them aren't very fun to play. They're more fun to, to get the story out of. And so a game where there's a main narrative, but it doesn't really guide you anywhere. It's just kind of like, yeah, you can go and save the kingdom or you can go do this other stuff, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's up to you. That, that doesn't really appeal to me. Having too much to do really means that I end up getting bored and not doing anything. Yeah. See, I get that. But for me, like this, especially this generation, and while there's a couple of standouts otherwise, you know, the the really great storytelling this generation is not with RPGs. 
You know, it's stuff like Assassin's Creed and uh, Uncharted, I think, are some of the best storytelling vehicles there is this generation. And I, and I guess even stuff like Mass Effect, which is another really good one, you know, is is half action. Right. I like, think that's fair. Um, but I think the problem is, is that um, the RPG as a genre... Uh, with with a few exceptions, has not evolved quite the way that we had hoped this generation. Um, they're still relying on a lot of the same tropes um, that they did before. Yeah, but a lot it's... of those tropes have not aged well. No. It's well, a lot like... of those... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'll say, a lot of those same tropes are still popular in 1990s anime. Yes. <laughs> Listen, the the 90s were a halcyon day when it came to anime. Nothing will ever quite be like the 90s in anime. Nothing. But so many RPGs still, uh, Japanese RPGs still try. Like, I don't know if you've played uh, Soul to Rubble yet for the DS. Nope. Um, It's a CyberConnect 2 game for the DS. That's kind of their, uh, it was sort of their own little pet project where it's furries and giant robots. It's a lot of fun. But it really feels like the whole the thing comes straight out of like nineteen nineties era anime. Or the other really good RPG I played this past year, I guess it was this year, was um Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky for the PSP. And that is probably the best role playing game I've played this year. Um and it also felt it felt very um lunar y in its in its story and tone, which is very nineteen nineties anime. Oh, I, lo- I loved Lunar back in the day. Um, th- speaking of 90s anime and games, um, has anyone else uh, played or downloaded uh, Guardian Heroes off of Xbox Live yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that game. that game's still amazing. Yes, and of course, I also own a Saturn with, an, with the actual copy of the game, too. Yes, I, somewhere... Um, in, in a undisclosed location, there is a Saturn sitting somewhere with copies of uh, Guardian Heroes and Dragon Force and you know whatever the hell else I had on that thing. Pro- probably a copy of Street Fighter Alpha Two Gold. You're not mentioning the most important Saturn game to be released uh, digital recently. Uh, Daytona USA. Daytona. <laughs> Let's go away. Let's go away. God, <laughs> that game was the best purchase I have made on the PSN in a long time. God, like, the first couple days I'd already played it, I don't know how many hours. Like, the first night I downloaded it, I was sitting around playing online, and I looked up and it was four hours later. I'm like, wait, how did this game, of all things, suck me in that hard? I was very tempted to force... um Hamacon for our Minicon, our video game director, to force them to do a Daytona karaoke tournament. Oh, man, that would I be was, so awesome. I was very tempted to go, you're doing this. Instead, um, I'm making him use my copy of uh, Puyo Puyo's Son for the Saturn to be one of the tournaments. Love it. Yeah, it's not a bad choice. Like, he was like, well, we do Puyo Pop. I'm like, no, 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 no. I have a Saturn. I have actual Puyo Puyo. You're using this. <laughs> Excellent. Oh man. Um. Oh. 
Sorry, there was a loud noise. I thought I was being attacked by monsters. Oh, well, that happens, are you safe? Sir. Are you good? Are you good? Are you? No, no monsters at the moment. Oh, good. That you, that you know of. Yep. Not yeah, not yet. So you know something I got a kick out of. Um, at one of the panels this weekend, there was what's his name, uh, David Williams, and then some guy from Bandai. And then someone asks them, hey, why don't you guys do those limited editions anymore like you used to for all your DVDs and shit? God. And so they both give them answers. First, the Bandai guy's like, well, yeah, we used to do those limited editions, but like, the logical answer is, well, in order to make these things affordable, you have to make so many of them, and then you end up with a bunch of extra shit. And then he's basically like, and if you've gone to any Bandai panels at big cons, you know this. He basically said, yeah, at our warehouse, we've just got pallets of shit that was in, that was like extra items for DVDs and stuff like that. There's like, a, a, there's an anime conventions mailing list of uh, anime cons that representatives could just sign up for and just get emails from. And there was a Bandai representative a couple of months back who just said, hey, any cons want Bandai, like, property shirts of, like, Gundam and Escaplone and random other series that we've done before. It's like, email and pay for cost of shipping, and you can have boxes. Yeah. They have pallets of shit. Like, I remember at, um... Oh, where was this? Otakon this past year, at their big panel, they always give away big crap. Last year, they put a, a t-shirt on every chair in the room. This year, they brought out, you know those big um, U-boats that, like, grocery stores and stuff use? They brought yeah. out one of those packed with boxes of those little um, Gurren Lagen backpacks that they used to, that came with the DVDs. <laughs> and so they gave those away to however many hundred people were in this panel room. Then a couple days later, I'm at home and I'm looking on their website on their store because I was looking for something. And I find that same backpack for sale on their store for $5. And it's like, limited edition, only such and such many left. It's like, you guys You're such liars. so many of these things. You but hey, have. it technically is limited. It's just the number is extremely high. It's like it's ten thousand that it's limited to is the problem. We're but limited it, to over now. Oh. But now we know how Nico Nico could afford all those T-shirts. Yeah, pretty much. Thanks, Funimation. I also got a Razafon T-shirt because that was what um David Williams was like. Hey, I'm just giving away Razafon T-shirts because we can't get rid of them. You know, I, I'm gonna repeat something I heard from. Uh, Dylan, who was it that that said this? There, there's somebody. Uh, anime I don't know. He did the philosophy and anime panel like several years ago. Yeah, but but he made a joke. He said, "You know why there's an X in Razafon? So you know to cross it off your list." I think <laughs> right stuff has like they pulled. I think they originally put those in the boxes. Right stuff yeah. has them for like three dollars. So I have like two because one of them got worn out, or you know it's white, so it's stained. So it's like. Sold. I wish. Yeah. I still oh. only have two Nico Nico shirts. I couldn't get any at Comic Con, so. Oh, and either way, they just stuck them in the bags. Like when you registered, you just got a Nico Nico shirt this time. Oh, nice. oh, it got even better on I think Sunday. They had security people just walking down the hallways giving out extra Nico Nico Doga shirts. 
Did they have red ones there? No, they were all white that I saw. Because Comic-Con, they had some red ones, but I only saw a few of them. They were giving them away in bags from Viz, I think, but I never got one of the bags. Because I didn't, I didn't find out until after the fact that I could have gotten an Nico shirt from there. <laughs> it's like, Nico, Nico, yay. I will advertise your website that I totally use all the time. That I've totally heard of before uh, Anime Week in Atlanta. Um, yeah. Although going back to the, to a previous the previous conversation, uh, yeah, I don't want special editions anymore. I just want bricks. Yep. Just give me box sets. I don't I don't need any more extra crap. I just need your discs at an affordable price. What the hell are you doing with Madoka? Now it's not going to sell, you bastards. Well, that's I mean that worked when they were doing like six discs for a series, but it just doesn't fit into the industry as it exists now. No Man, one wants to buy singles. No one wants and, to buy singles anymore, so that's why no one wants, you know, get the box set with the first volume in a t-shirt so you can put all your other volumes in it. No, I just want the series now. Yeah, yeah when people are willing to just, you know, download this stuff online illegally, you know, what do they yeah, care? Yeah, you only have so much you can do. Um, Something I like that Funimation started doing, though, though I haven't bought any of them because they haven't done it for any shows I give a shit about, um, is they've started doing, like, a limited edition version of, you know, when they sell a show, they always do everything in 13-episode packs. So they'll have part one and part two. There will be a limited edition of part one that's in a small like in it's it's in a special art box that you can put part two into. Simple, nothing fancy about it. It's just a little extra box, and it's like an extra five or ten bucks, and it maybe comes with an art book or something like that. And that's fine. That sounds good. That's, that's as not, much as you need to do. And the nice, thing, not, the best thing about that is it's actually limited edition. Like a couple weeks after they come out, they get hard to find. And that's also not excessive, like the six volumes in a box. You get one volume and the two volumes, and then you're done. So it's not as difficult. You don't have to stick with it for multiple years at a point to try to get that box filled. Yeah, it's like, um, it's not Lucky Star. (laughs) Thank God. So I think that was the moment where everyone went, yeah, let's stop doing these forever. Yeah, sadly, I don't think Anaplex has figured that out yet, because I think, they're, like I said, they're Madoka Magica, they're still doing it where you're buying the individual, you know. Well, I think Madoka singles. is a special situation where that was the only way they could get, that's the only way they were allowed to release that. Like, they could do it that way, or they could not release it for another two years. Those were their options. And it's also only available through Right Stuff, and it expressly says they will not ship it out of the country. That so. is so dumb. Yes. They are like, paranoid about that show. Yeah, and I have a feeling that, unfortunately, you know, that is... And I get why they're doing it. They're not paranoid for the U.S. They're paranoid for Japan. Yeah. And their whole that whole dreaded reverse importation <laughs> crap because they can't, you know, price things decently in Japan either. It's just It's just a crappy business model from the ground up that I really wish they would stop doing. But I really can't make them stop, so I can always rant about it in podcasts. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth ranting about on a regular basis, because it's really retarded. But 
somehow Media Blasters was allowed to release Skull on DVD or on Blu-ray this quick, so I'm okay with that. That's true. That's true. And uh, and when I've already got my you know pre-order up on Amazon, so as soon as it hits, I I'll be checking it out myself. I was actually shocked that was there because I was convinced that wasn't going to come out anywhere near on time. Right. Because nothing from Media Blasters ever comes out anywhere near on time. <laughs> it's true. I'm just a thrilled that we're at, le- at the very least we're getting Red Light in January and not in April. Yes. Yeah. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. And that better be playing at every con next year. Oh, I I, I at least guarantee you in Huntsville you're you're, you're good. <laughs> like I think if the next local con I go to is until June, but I think if I go there in or I I'm probably going to KatsuCon in February, so that's probably a better example. If I go there and I look at the video programming and it's not playing, I'm gonna probably actively find whoever's the head of video programming and make them play it at, at some point. point. Who's gonna bring yes. your copy so you can just shove it in their hand and yes, put I'm this in? Play this. I don't care whatever room you want, but play this. It needs to be played here. If that's what I'm gonna do at MTAC, just warning you, Nico. <laughs> <laughs> I do not run video programming, so feel free. He does. He doesn't give a shit. Not his problem. <laughs> no, he's he's got enough jackals to deal with. And then after three years, it'll finally play at Otakon. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The con that the, the flipping chair of Madhouse goes to every year doesn't manage to get this movie. Yeah, that, that I that, would never understand. I was actually really hoping to see Red Lion at Otakon this year. And, you know, while I was really glad I had to see the FMA movie and the Makoto Shinkai film, you know, I have a feeling that instead of that, we got, in Redline, we got Tekken. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, the live-action Tekken or... Um, uh, the CGI one. That's, the CGI one. That's, well, not as good as Redline, but it's better than getting the live-action one. Oh, God, the live-action one was so bad. <laughs> oh, I... I... <sighs> I love that Terrible. the guy, the guy who played Shang Tsung in the live-action Mortal Kombat movie, was the guy who played Heihachi in the live-action Tekken movie. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, though, God, um, I remember that because they, they 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 made a big deal out of it. They were plugging it as the um, how did they put it? The 2D premiere of the movie. Yeah, yeah, the 2D premiere. The, it was, this is not played on a 3D screen, so therefore it's 2D, and that, because the first time we're doing it is 2D, it's a premiere. Ain't that great, guys? It's special. Eh? Eh? Uh, no. Can't even get me to pretend that was a good idea. It's like, like when, uh, when they can produce a movie that makes me question Dai Sato's, um, legitimacy. I start to worry. So it's like someone that's writ- been involved in so many of my favorite works, doing something like that is kind of depressing. Yeah. At least the Trigun, you know, at least they had the, the English voice, you know, the dub version that could premiere. Yeah, they had that was a decent cool. lineup there, honestly. Um, not, none of it was bad, I don't think. 
except yeah, for like, the Tekken movie. But. Yeah, no, Otakon really did, you know, they they did a really good job of premieres this year, I think. They did a really good job of doing you know, a bunch of neat, you know, here's a bunch of films you're not going to be able to see anywhere else, and also Tekken. Uh, I just want to go ahead and, and throw this out. I I thought it was Daisato, but I wanted to uh, make sure before I jumped in with this comment. Um, there's something else besides Tekken that made me question him, and uh, that something was called a Racket 7. Or as I like to call it, they put a fucking heart in the moon at the end! <laughs> See, Eureka 7 is probably my the worst show ever. show ever. I actually don't uh, mind Eureka 7 that much. I uh, absolutely adored that show. Yeah. I, it it would have been okay if it hadn't have uh, stolen freely from like seven different anime series I can Come think on, of what off anime, the top of my head. Most mecha series anyway is stealing from another one. I understand, but when when uh it turns out that oh, a not human? Really? I didn't guess that. Wait, the place that they were looking for was Earth? Never seen that either. No, fuck this show. Uh when somebody gets the uh it looks like they're dying uh mecha explosion thing and then they're just sitting on top of the wreckage, unscathed as if as if they were in the opening for G.I. Joe where the plane crashes and G.I. Joe just runs out like nothing fucking happened. That's why I say, no, sorry, Eureka 7, I'm signing off. These are facts. Tell us how you really feel. I always do, Dylan. I always do. I didn't mind what little I saw of Eureka 7, except I just, I, I remember always having that kind of feeling of, you know, you know, well, I was going to say, that, quiet, the kids are, you know, the adults are talking, but yeah, that's what the uh, the characters were. For, for me, well, that's actually my more my opinion of Code Geass, but um, Eureka 7, like, for me, it had a strong start and, and a strong ending. The middle part just sounded really drug. Like, I it was like, ha- like, halfway through, it felt like they, like, the cast was lost and they weren't sure what they were doing, but they did such a good job of showing that off in the anime that I felt that the animation staff also didn't know what they were doing or where they were going with it because they were just stuck in this, like, cave for, like, a bazillion episodes, it felt like. But then once Renton, like, struck off on his own and actually met the um, the awesome married couple, you know, it, is, it started getting better again. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I think... And it's that's a common trope in mecha shows to have the main character like strike out on their own and they kind of mature because of it. I mean, it happened in Gundam. Bury the when... robot in the sand. Yes. Let's, let's hide the Gundam in the sand. I'm gonna go hang out with Rumberall. <laughs> or they can, or they can, you know, try and strike off on their own several times and never really quite grow up ever. No, except, so they, except in a, in a recent remake movie where uh, somebody finally grows a pair of balls and goes into beast mode, but it was cool. For for me, I think the the new king of like just you know not having an original bone in his body is I think Sacred Seven, where you got the guy who looks like he's from Black Butler and the girl that's in a clamp thing and a guy who's more or less squall without a face scar, and then you now have a random maid army. Yeah, I only watched the first episode of that, 
there was nothing about it that was enough to make me want to keep watching it except the animation. And I'm watching it and I'm like, why does this have the animation budget? All of this should have been going to Tiger and Bunny, you assholes. Yes, like this show, this show showed me that no, Sunrise can still do awesome looking suit people in suits of armor and stuff, but that was oriented to CG. Why did this show not get CG, but Tiger and Bunny was full of it? Like well, I mean, the some only... of the other re- some of the other reasons for Tiger and Bunny is because it's easier to overlay the changing uh, company graphics since they're just heavily advertising on all their suits. That's true. And uh, now, which I think is an interesting gimmick, anyway, both story-wise and hey, we'll, we'll be shameless and put our commercials in the middle of the show on our characters. Yeah. Um, the only like explanation I really have, I've made for it in my head, at least, is that besides what you mentioned about the ads, which does make sense, is um that. Sacred 7 was an easy bet. It was going to get viewers. It's nothing special, but that's not a bad thing, I guess, financially. Um, Tiger and Bunny was a flip of a coin, I think. It got made, but it didn't have a major budget because they weren't expecting it to be as big as it was. And then it was as big as it was. So now we're at this moment where... It's like, why did you waste your time on this stupid show? We're also at a moment where, if I want to get the damn toys to that show, I gotta shell out way too damn much money. So, at this past weekend at Neko, I found Tiger and Bunny, the the figure the figure arts toys, and they were both marked up to eighty dollars a pop. Jeez. I, I lucked out. I have that same problem every time I look up, like, Kamen Rider, SH figure arts at cons, and they're worth way more than what they are online. Yeah, I looked up, uh, or I got, um, Tiger, Tiger at, um, Comic-Con for 55 bucks, and that's because someone had them special shipped in just for the con to sell, so I was very, very happy when I found that one. God knows how long it'll be till I find the next one. I want. I do have um, Sky High on pre-order. Nice but probably my favorite thing about these toys is on the back. It's got all the features, and one of the features is product placement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but speaking of CG, man, why does Berserk have to now look like a 360 game? Like, I don't know if they've seen the new the trailer for the new Berserk you know movies they're doing. No, I haven't seen any of the trailers. It's actually it's all it's it's that same sort of apple seed um anime, but all actually CG. Oh God, I models. hate that. Like, and I'm like, ah, uh, that's not what I wanted. Now you know what trailer I have seen that I'm really hyped about is Phoenix, Phoenix right? right. Yes. yes. Yeah, that is so weird in live action. It works though. It looks right. It does, but... Uh, see what they did there? It looks oh. right. <laughs> Objection! Take uh, that! In terms of a Zerk movie? movie, though, um, honestly, the trailer for it, it, yeah, it has that same kind of look, but it's so much better done than the Apple Seed and that kind of shit. 
I would hope it, so. It, it's been like six years since Apple, Apple Seed came out. Right? Yeah, but That's this is Japan, and when has CG ever evolved in Japan? Good point. But uh, this looks like they might have put some actual money behind it. Granted, it is berserk. But it's, and I'll, I'll grant you that I also saw the trailer for the uh, Cyborg 009, mm-hmm. uh, which is using the same style, but I think because it's, you know, a futuristic thing about cyborgs, stuff in the future, the CG feels more like thematically correct. Whereas berserk is like, you know, medieval hard fantasy. And for me, I think that that's a, that's a thematic also disconnect. I think something else is, uh, berserk kind of looks a bit more realistic in its art styling anyway, whereas Cyborg 009 is the classic uh, Shitara Shinomori, very animated, simplified style, so it works probably a bit better in that CGI aspect. Yeah, That's true. That's also a movie I'm looking forward to. And that's also um, production IG behind it, isn't it? I yes. Think, yeah. yeah. So, that always helps. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. I'm more interested in that than than Berserk for sure. For sure, Kenji Kamiyama adapting Cyborg 009. That's all you need to tell me. I was sold immediately. Granted, uh, I was a little nervous when I found out it was CG, but for for me it was more Cyborg 009. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And this one will actually get you know. Subtitled. It might actually get released here in a complete format <laughs> because it's just yeah. a movie. And you know, it's not. Oh, that also reminds me of the whole you know the uh, the newer version of the Astro Boy cartoon they did in the in the early aughts, where you know we only got like the dubbed version. Oh yeah, I remember in America that, yeah. that ticked me off so much. We didn't even get a full release of the Cyborg 009, the 2000 series. We didn't like. Uh, we got and two I episodes. I don't think Tokyo Pop ever finished releasing the manga, did they? Probably not. They did a they did a decent amount considering what it was. Um, I can't really fault them for canceling that one because I can't believe that sold anywhere near decent. I would agree. But it they released a decent amount. Sony screwed the pooch on the anime, and to the point that it's really hard to get. I managed to find. Um, most of it online through a little effort, but I'm I'm still kind of annoyed by that one because I really want that show proper. Yeah, yeah, me too. Although, man, uh, speaking of robots, though, I didn't realize it because I wouldn't have thought of it, but I finally uh, got a copy of um, Udon's release of the Mega Man uh, Mega Mega X. Uh, graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Oh. They're really good. Like, they're really good. They, they're better than anything based off Megan has right to be. Um, I was very, very shocked when I discovered, I was actually, I bought a copy on a whim and realized, wait, this is a really good take on Mega Man. And as a graphic novel, wow. So, I would, ch- if you haven't checked those out yet, check them out. It's, they're they're fun books. It, it helps that they sort of you know they play very very fast and loose with the uh, plots from the video games, um, where sometimes what they'll do is they'll go, 
and then Mega Man saved the world, and here's a side story involving the same characters. So you still get him fighting these robot masters in different ways, but it's not quite like, you know, just repeating the video game as a book. That's cool. So, yeah, like, I was, I was just really shocked. I'm like, wow, this is, and the whoever's writing it knows his Mega Man, like, really well. And so it, it actually kind of works. And also, his comics based off Mega Man Soccer are way better than the video game ever had a right to be. Did you say Soccer? Oh yeah, they, were, they did a Super Nintendo or Super Nintendo yeah. game, uh, yeah, Mega I Man Soccer. That one, yeah. And apparently, yeah. to promote it, that they got this guy to do a bunch of Mega Man comics back in the day about the Mega Man characters playing soccer, and he had a much better idea on how to actually do that than the video game makers did. That sounds awesome. I I don't know. I've I've mixed feelings about the Mega Man franchise these days. It's one of those things where it needs to still be around, but they need to really think about what they do before they just go out and release something. Well, I, I well I would say I I would like it to still be around, but in all honesty, it's not around anymore. There, as far as we know, there's no Mega Man games in development right now. No, which is. Which is why I went and bought some manga. It's also actually the recent um, uh, Kadansha release of the Phoenix Wright manga is also really good. Um, they actually got an actual mystery writer to actually pen the actual storylines. And so they're actual good mysteries that are very, very uh, reminiscent of the Phoenix Wright stuff. Um, even to the fact where they'll actually throw in little game cues like at some point Phoenix will throw out incorrect evidence. Or he'll he'll catch the wrong statement, and the judge will reprimand him for it. Love it. And since you know uh, we're not getting the next Miles Edgeworth game, because Capcom's like, yeah, we don't want to spend that money and and risk not making money, so we're not going to do it. So for me, I'm like, well, I'll buy these manga because that's the closest thing when it gets any new Phoenix Wright stuff, apparently. Until the movie. Yeah, until the movie. There's a decent chance that the Phoenix Wright Layton game will get out here, and that's only because of level five. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I think the Professor Layton stuff will get it over here, not the Phoenix Wright side. Yeah. I, I think they'll both come over here. It, it, but, I don't know, that's just... It, Capcom got a very interesting take on things right now, and some things I, I like how they're doing, and other things I don't, like... uh I kind of like the decision not to release Mega Man Legends 3 on the 3DS. I think, I understand that fans of the series are upset that the game got cancelled, but I really think they should have demanded more uh, than a handheld game on the system that nobody bought in the first place. You know, they, they should have at least demanded that it get like a proper high def console release. You know, even if, even if it was like a, a downloadable game or something like that. Well, I think the problem with that is that like, um, Inafune had been trying to get them to make that game for years. They they just could never justify making it because the series just never really sold that well. No. And they finally managed to, and he finally managed to convince them to make it. And all these fans are all really excited about it. I'm one of them. And then they go and pull 
they, they just take it all away. And it's kind of like it's being told that, hey, you're finally going to get the conclusion to that story. It's like saying, like, I'm trying to think of a, a good metaphor for it. Um, it's like getting most of the discs for 009, but then not all of it. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like getting all but the last volume of something. Like they cancel it and don't release the last volume. And what's worse is that, you know, people, you know, did there were some editors who actually got to play the game, and it turns out what they played of it was in fact pretty good. The game was on track of being a good game. And they still canceled it. Yeah. It, it just, just kind of it just it's just a bum deal no matter what. And John, you luck you're lucky because the one group that seems to know what they're doing at Capcom to actually appease their fans is the guys who make the fighting games. That's a fact. Although uh, that the Mega Man fans are still a little pissy, and I, and that uh, Mega Man is not in Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom. And of course, I say I've got my Mega Man character in that game. Fuck Mega Man. I don't. I don't need him. I, I, I don't even know about that though, because they've been pissing them off just as much as everybody else lately. Like no, because. They're, they're, the Finding Game fans are the only people I know who are happy, happy to spend forty more dollars on a video game they bought in February. I don't know. I know plenty of them that are pissed that they got to spend forty more dollars on a video game they bought in February. I, but I I'm think, not. But I think. That's, go ahead. Uh, Marvel isn't actually their biggest problem in terms of fighting games. Like they can maintain that level of they can maintain that with that game because it's such a likable game in general and forty dollars isn't insane where they're getting their where they're gonna be getting their shit and they're gonna keep getting their shit is with um Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Well their their problem is actually uh kind of oh no. Um because I, I love the guy. He's he's a fun guy, but um there, there are times with like the release of Arcade Edition, which was horribly balanced, um, that it just seems like he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And I'm willing to kind of take a flyer on Street Fighter Cross Tekken for the time being because it is sort of in that versus mold, and um, they keep saying, "Yeah, the gem system is kind of wonky, but you know, just wait. We're we hear your feedback. We're working on it. Plus, there's some things about it that you don't know yet. So just kind of chill." Um, I'm willing to take a flyer on that until the game, until we actually see a little bit more of the game. I think I just naturally have a hard time trusting Capcom anymore. Um, so it gets really hard to be forgiving to them. Um, I, I do want Ultimate Marvel and I'll get it. I'm definitely not going to buy it right away though. I mean, for a million reasons, obviously, but. I, I can't think of one reason not, not to buy it. Um, I'm, I'm going to get day one. It's $40. I've already paid for it. Um, there will be, uh, combo videos coming out on YouTube from me. Uh, I, I have, uh, told my employer, uh, that I'm going to the doctor. And if anyone asks, I'm going to Dr. Light. Uh, we're going into the lab and we're going to run some tests. Okay. That's, that's going to happen. So explain ex- Twitter <laughs> to uh, blow up with a lot of incomprehensible shit. Do you have your doctor's note ready? I do. I do. Yeah, I see. But you, like, you know, like there was actually a very uh, prolific now, or getting more prolific by the day, um, 
fighting group in Huntsville. Like there's a, we've actually now fostered a little fighting game community, and they're all they're all hyped for um, for Marvel, and, and for them they they they've totally are buying the fact that they're getting twelve characters. It's cheaper to pay forty bucks now than getting them all as DLC, which I understand that argument because you look at Mortal Kombat, you know they paid twenty bucks for you know four more characters. Yeah, you did that. You know, twelve characters would be like eighty bucks, I, and so I get that. But it's like, man, that's it's just it's been less than a year. For well, for me, that that sounds really crazy. The the story behind that is, and this is this is a story I was told, and it kind of makes sense because this this is kind of a, a, uh, excessive even for Capcom or say Activision or EA, um, who are far worse about it than Capcom is. Yet Capcom's the one who gets most of the shit. Um, is that all the stuff that's in Ultimate um, was originally planned as DLC, but um, the game came out in February, and then you know they were starting development on the DLC content, and then the earthquake hit, and that threw things off so badly that by the time that they got around to getting back to work, um, it threw off their schedule bad enough to where they said, you know, let's. You know, go ahead and rebalance everything, work on some of the online issues, and just go ahead and do a, you know, disc release at a lower price, and just kind of go with it that way. Which, still kind of shitty, you know, I, I understand in a way, because you're not really getting anything for having bought the game in the first place, you know, at the beginning of the year, but... um the the twelve new characters look interesting. Phoenix Wright looks ridiculous, both in a good and bad sense. Um, there, there's gonna be some fun stuff in that game, and I'm I'm just looking forward to it. It's gonna be worth the money for me. Your mileage may vary. Though that said, I am kind of looking forward to seeing what happens with Soul Calibur Five or Six or whatever the next one is. Five. It, it's got Ezio in it. Yeah, which you know is the best inclusion they've done yet. That's that's true because he actually kind of fits in with the timeline and everything. Yeah, I don't think they've had a better idea as an included character since Link. Right. Link was fun. But but it's it's not been the same since Soul Calibur 2. I'll, I'll freely admit to that. And, you know, I'll give Ezio props. He's now automatically the best voice-acted character in Soul Calibur. Mm-hmm. J- just by default, because I think they're using the same guy. Roger Craig Smith, I believe. Yeah. I'm going to use my magic uh, voice voice actor powers. Thank God for that. Right? It served me well. Yeah. And that said, it's been like a little over an hour, so I think, unless anyone has other topics, I think we're good. Uh, I got nothing. Nope. Um, no, I can't think of anything. Um, we, we, uh, could start talking about how, um, Certain uh, fighting game tournament over the weekend decided to charge eight ninety five per for a premium stream, but I think we'll save that for later. Yeah, that, that seems a little bit um out of my uh, milieu to to discuss. Um, Let's just say it was a bad idea. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Well, guys, thanks for coming on. No problem. It was a blast having you. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Thanks for having us. 
Oh, no problem. And thanks for everyone who is listening that are you listening. Uh, you should. You should totally check out uh, the Chainsaw Buffet podcast, uh, Insert Disc, which features pod labor. Um, Cinegeek, M-Tech, Hamacon, check out all these things. It's a lot and of stuff. Spend money by stuff. now. Do it. Yeah. And uh, hopefully for the next awesome cast, it'll something be actually planned and organized. We'll, we'll see. Um, but on that note, we are out. Bye. Bye, everyone. Oh, sh- Bye, Dr. Nick. <laughs>